A lot of these leaders think that the best way to power is to appease criminals and appease the worst elements of the city and say, we're not going to do anything about you, but we're going to continue to punish the law-abiding yeah. citizen by putting more taxes on them, by you know making sure that they have Section 8 housing in their neighborhood, and by you know imposing anti-racism <laughs> anti indoctrination on, the, on their kids. And also, if they want to call the cops on you, we'll charge them with a crime. Welcome to The Fallen State. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Don't forget that The Fallen State is on Patreon. So click the link in the description to support our work. And thank you so much. Very interesting man with me today. I saw him on Tucker Carson, Scott Greer. He is the host of Highly Respected and the author of No Campus for White Men. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. Yeah, I really do appreciate it, man. I um I really enjoyed that interview with you and Tucker Carson, and so I am looking forward to talking to you. Well, thank, I'm glad to be here. It's going to be a great discussion. Yes, sir. So I noticed on your Twitter bio, you have your height and your IQ. <laughs> your IQ. What's the pr First of all, how tall are you? At six two, uh, and it's and it's right next to a blue check, so it is a hundred percent verified. Yeah, amazing. And your IQ is what? One eighty seven IQ. Yeah, they 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 doubt it, but that's also uh, confirmed <laughs> too. I mean, and the six two is on my driver's license as well. So I mean, a lot of people get angry. They cannot believe that I can be both six two and have a one eighty seven IQ, and they just get mad. They <laughs> demand to know. All their personal details about me because they just get very furious when they see the height and IQ. And that's why I've just kept it. it, it it's a way of me exposing uh, liberal hatred and intolerance. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, did you do that to trigger people? Why would they care about that? Why is that so important that they would get them upset? Well, like the main reason I first did this is like there was some tweet I had where I, I think it was criticizing AOC about something. And I was noticing all these liberals who were attacking me had like MD or Esquire or PhD or like even MA in their in their in their in their name. And they were all using this as like a way of credentials. It's like, I am so important. I'm so smart. Check yeah. out my MD. How <laughs> dare you disagree with me? And then I first did, I was like, okay, I'm gonna put MD, Esquire, PhD in my handle. <laughs> And then they believe me. They're like, how is this person so educated? But he's spouting so much hate. And, you know, it's true. And then I decided, then somebody's like, how about you put your height? And I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah. And I put six, two, and that made him even really angry. And then I just decided <laughs> to simplify it. It's like, I want to do six, two and IQ. And it's worked uh, like magic ever since. I love it, man. Very smart. <laughs> we got to outsmart them anyway. So that's very true. Very, very good. Are you grateful to be a uh, white man born in America? Yeah, I would say I am. I mean, you've always got to be grateful of who you are and be proud of what you're made. I mean, that's the way you came out at birth. There's no reason to feel guilty just because of the color of your skin or the who your ancestors are or what your country's past are. 
but they try to teach us a different message that you're supposed to feel bad that you're white. And then you're supposed to feel bad because of what your grandparents and great grandparents and great, great grandparents. Yeah. Did. And you're supposed to feel bad about what America did. It, like in the past, it, like slavery and wars against the Indians and all these things that you're just supposed to feel bad for it. And I'm just simply saying, no, I'm, you know, I, I don't feel bad for that. I'm proud of, I'm proud of my country. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my ancestors. I'm proud of my parents. I'm proud of my family. And this is like a normal most normal people would think this way as, yeah. you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But for some reason, this is extremism to not feel bad about yourself and not to um, fall victim to white guilt and to just hate yourself and hate your family and hate your country and hate your people. And I just simply don't want to engage in that. I just want to be a normal person. I'm glad to hear that, man. I grew up in Alabama on a plantation. I was born in, you know, I'm, uh, how am I? 72 right now, right? And so I grew up under the Jim Crow law. Even growing up then, I never heard that anyone should be embarrassed of whatever color they were and born in America. And so whites and blacks were not that way. They didn't have that mentality growing up. And I noticed that most, I don't know about most, a whole lot of white people are afraid to be proud to be white and proud to be born in America they tend to want to hide it. Why is that? I think it's a lot of propaganda that they've learned in their schools, through TV, through movies, through what their politicians say. And we're now building up this consensus, this ideology, and, and it's almost like a religion in many respects of just like anti-white hatred. It's like whites are the boogeyman. They are the devil of the modern era. Right. And everything wrong in the world is due to white people. And then all these white liberals are like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm white. They look down at their hands and like, oh, I just, I just wish I wasn't this color and I have so much privilege and I want to beg forgiveness from the non-whites that I've done so much wrong for. And they just they get hooked into this. And it's it's really shameful and it's you know disgusting. But it's just it's been, you know, a natural development. I mean, we've seen kind of this stuff even starting in the 60s. There was like some goofy people then who, yeah. you know, you know, they may have like, you know, had some issues at that time or been fighting on other fronts. But there was like a few people who were really goofy that are just like, I feel bad to be white. And it's it's wrong to be white. And this carried on through academia into the 70s and 80s and 90s it became the consensus position in academia and then that leaked into the media and that's leaked oh, into yeah. now politicians. And now it's the mainstream consensus that you have to feel bad that you're white. And now kindergartners have to learn about how evil white people are. Yeah. And if you're a white kindergartner, you've got to learn about how evil your ancestors are just because of the color of your skin. So white people, those whites who feel that way, they were taught that as kids when they were growing up and going to school so the older adult white people, as an adult, they don't believe that, right? Uh, am I wrong about that? Because I can they, see how kids can be brainwashed in the educational system and the parents not telling them the truth about the situation. But as an adult, can you be brainwashed to believe that? Oh, absolutely. I think you got to look at what happened after uh, George Floyd's death last year. I mean, all these people, you would have thought that they're fairly normal before, and then <laughs> these guys are you know, laying prostrate and like praying to George Floyd after his death. And you've got to wonder, it's like, what is going on here? And I think it is like media propaganda still works 
on adults. Uh, I think we want to think that adults are able, capable of thinking of for themselves right. and remembering the past. If they don't have just a short memory, then they and they remember like they're well. They're the media is telling me one thing, but I know that's not true. But I think after George Floyd's death and the riots that happened, I think you know it showed that media propaganda works even on six-year-olds, on people who should know better. They're just as susceptible to it as kids. Well, maybe not as susceptible to it. I mean, kids don't know any better. They, right. you know, they don't right. have a long past. They, their brains aren't fully developed yet. But adults are just as susceptible to propaganda as children. I knew that George Floyd was a, from all the report, that he was an unemployed black drug addict with a criminal record, and I knew that George Floyd death is due to George Floyd and no one else. Because for whatever reason, he didn't take care of himself. He didn't take care of his own life. He resisted the cop or tried to, right? And so when all that mess came out, they tried to blame it on the cops. And then they started bringing in this phony idea of racism. And with all the media propaganda, it didn't change my mind. I still knew George Floyd was an unemployed drug addict with a criminal record. And so I couldn't understand—I do understand, I guess, brainwashing— but I couldn't understand how the adult white people were falling for it to the point that they were worshiping Black Lives Matter and all that crap. I'm like, how did that happen? I just, it, it was mind-blowing to me. It really was. Yeah, same to here. I mean, I was, uh, I was shocked by it, <laughs> by how often it is. But, I mean, it permeated every aspect of our society. I mean, you turn on the TV and every commercial, a corporation is talking about Black Lives Matter. You turn on the game. They're they're celebrating Black Lives Matter. You, of course, if you're watching the news, they're like Black Lives Matter is the greatest thing ever. And so most of these people, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are not free thinkers out there. They yeah. don't think for themselves and yeah. they just listen to whatever the TV tells them. And they're not able to, like, understand these issues. And then if the TV is telling them, oh, like police are murdering blacks just left and right. It's it's a genocide going on. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I have to believe that. That's what the, the sports game told me. I've got to believe this. So it's it is really it is a little disappointing that a lot of people are will just fall victim to it and not think for themselves. Yeah. And as a result of that, which is this thing been building up for a long time. But as a result of the George Floyd thing, they are now working overtime to erase America history. Right removing Confederate statues, pretending that they think that the American flag is racist. Uh, they, um, yesterday they took down Robert E. Lee. And I, it, it really broke my heart to see that. And then they are replacing it with junk, junk like statues of a thug like George Floyd and others. And yet white Americans are quiet about that. I've been saying for 31 years, and I've written about it, on Word at Delhi and other places in my books, that white people need to start speaking up because when they're allowing these people to erase the history of America and the next generation won't know how great this country was and the people who helped to make it that way, white people who found and discovered the greatest country on this side of heaven, and they made it so we could all be free that's all being erased. It reminded me of the Taliban when they uh, uh, went over to Iraq and took over over there, and they erased all the history of Christianity and stuff like that. That is happening here. What would it take for 
Americans, for white men to stand up and say no more? Well, they have to learn that that's their heritage, that that's their history. I mean, they have to see Robert E. Lee as one of their ancestors. And a lot. it's unfortunate that a lot of white Southerners, especially among the middle class and more affluent, uh, are embarrassed by Robert E. Lee, even though Robert E. Lee is one of the greatest Americans of all time. Yeah. I mean, if you guys, if you look at his personal character, it was unimpeachable. I mean, this man was always held himself with honor. He always treated himself with dignity. He treated the other people uh, the way a good Christian gentleman would. And he was a terrific battlefield commander, even though they all want to say he's a loser. He didn't win the <laughs> war. It's like uh, Napoleon didn't win his war. Pompey didn't win against Caesar. You know, Hannibal didn't win against the Romans, but we yet we all see these men as great generals. And the same can be said of Robert E. Lee. And Robert E. Lee, uh, you know, he was at Eisenhower, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who won, helped win World War II, saw Robert E. Lee as one of the greatest generals America had ever produced and greatest men, greatest figures America has ever produced. And even people are like, well, he's a traitor. He, he did this and he he. Dwight D. Eisenhower, who everyone would agree is an American hero, thought that Robert E. Lee was one of the greatest figures in American history. So they have to, going back to your point about how do we make people defend our heritage is that it's through proper education. It's through learning the truth about our history and and defeating white guilt and the shame over our nation's history. That's how you get people to really see the truth and really come to light and actually start defending this stuff. And I think that the state is also, you know, wanting to punish people who may protest against uh, the, t- the taking down of the statues. You know, you could be Black Lives Matter and, you know, throw a Molotov cocktail statue or tear it down. I mean, you have to remember is that all on Monument Row in Richmond, Leading up to Lee, there was all these great Southern uh, Confederate generals, and they were raised by Black Lives Matter protesters last summer. They couldn't get Lee down because (laughs) it's a little too heavy for them, but (laughs) they were able to pull them down in a way that looked like the French Revolution or, as you said, the Taliban. And they, they could get away with it. But if you were just somebody who painted over it or said, like, you know, white lives matter or something like don't tear down Lee, you know, the police would investigate you. There was a few cases uh, last year, last summer where people did that type of messaging and police would go out and look for him. Well, of course, like the guy, like having a rope and tying it down and pulling down the statue, the police would just sit there and not do anything. So you have to, so also it's people worry about the punishment for it. But I think once enough Americans realize that they're, it's, they're not going to stop the Confederates. They're going to go after George Washington. They're going to go after Thomas Jefferson. They may even go after Abraham Lincoln. I mean, Boston tore down an Abraham Lincoln statue because they thought it was politically incorrect because there's a slave thanking him for his freedom to Abraham Lincoln, which is historically accurate. I mean, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. And apparently we don't want to learn that anymore. I believe I heard on the HakeReport.com. I don't know if you ever, it's a show that's on this network. And it comes on right after my show, thehatecreport.com. And he mentioned that Robert E. Lee had slaves, but because they were inheriting it, you know, giving it over to him. But he was never in favor of slavery. It's just that something he had. But that's been left out when talked about Robert E. Lee. Um, white people don't know that black people are not suffering because of this phony idea of racism. That's a made up word. Our battle is a spiritual battle between right and wrong, good and evil. And white people used to know that along with other black people in those days. 
how white people have gotten that blacks are not suffering because of slavery, but the lack of moral character, the lack of families, they have not been raised properly by fathers and mothers. It has everything to do with that and nothing to do with the history of America. White people don't remember that. Well, it's politically incorrect to say that. They're worried that they'll be called racist if they. But why do they that. care they, about that? Yeah, they they. That's why. I mean, they. I mean, for unfortunate is that a lot of whites are just too hesitant. They're they're not like us, Jesse. They don't. They're worried about saying the truth, and there's so many consequences from that. If they just point that out, that you know, they could get their, they could lose their job. You know, they could have their house like protested by Antifa. Like there are all these consequences that they have to worry about. Now we need people to just say that to just say hey, this is not due to slavery. This is not due to Jim Crow. This is not due to redlining. This is due to people's own actions and yeah. own behavior, that yeah. this is why it's happening. And to continue to blame these systemic problems, these like phantom problems, you know, it's like imagining that nothing's their fault. Like they have no agency. You know, if there was any issue, if whites were like committing the same level of crime and having this, you know, same level of problems in our community nobody would say oh this is due to uh, indentured servitude uh, right. 300 years ago they yeah. wouldn't say that they right. would say no it's their own fault it's their own behavior it's their own it's their own actions and it's about and to have a democracy we have to think that people have the type of agency to control their behavior and to be in control of their own destinies but here we're saying oh they're not they're they're just you know they imagine them as almost like children is like oh they just they're just not responsible for this this is all due to the evil white slave master who died you know 200 years ago this is why that they're they're acting this way and you know it's getting stronger you know i remember growing yeah. up i would see hear plenty of people plenty of mainstream figures say no this is due to their own behavior this is due to their culture their character you know, that's the reason why they're acting this way. Yep. But now even conservatives are starting to talk about systemic racism. Yeah, now, this is a real issue. You know, I've seen people like Ross Douthat, who writes at The New York Times, one of the biggest conservative columnists in America, who's saying that conservatives need to accept systemic racism. David French is saying that um, even uh, <laughs> elementary school kids and high school students need to learn about systemic racism. And these people are supposed to be conservative. And that's like a real change. And I think it's just this uh, propaganda that people are learning, you know, the media brainwashing that's happening to them, that they feel that it's racist to, you know, notice the elephant in the room and being like, you know, maybe this isn't all due to slavery. So then they just buy into it and they want the respect from liberals to say, well, I agree with you that it's, you know, systemic racism is real, but it's going too far to say that all white people should kill themselves. You know, I'm trying to be a centrist here, but, you know, they <laughs> it's not working. They should just say this is all BS. Like we want to, you know, we want to speak the truth. Yeah, because if they are not speaking up because they're afraid of losing something like jobs or their homes and things like that, they're going to lose it anyway because when the people know that they're weak to a point that they won't speak up for fear of losing something, they're going to go after their stuff anyway. And if you doubt me, look at the whites in South Africa. They didn't speak Absolutely. up, and now the blacks have taken over there. They're taking the land without compensation. They're taking the lives of white people, even in their own homes. They're raping and robbing. And that's what is happening slowly but surely in America and so I would warn them that they should speak up anyway because they're going to lose it by not speaking up. It's not going to get better and get worse. There is uh, Christopher Columbus Day coming up. And, and so the enemies of America want to call it 
Indigenous Day or something dumb like that. Indigenous People's Day. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem is you're going to hear normal white people other calling it Indigenous Day too, rather than calling it what it is. They're going to give in to the enemies. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of the funniest examples of this is the Boston Marathon rescheduled to uh, Christopher Columbus Day. But in all the news articles coming out, because Boston doesn't acknowledge it as Christopher Columbus Day anymore, even though it has a significant Italian-American population, they call it Indigenous Peoples Day. And they had to apologize to the Indigenous people for having an event on their day. And they're like, this is just so insulting to American Indians that you would dare have a marathon on our day. Nothing else can happen on that day except for, uh, you know, I guess you know, feeling really bad about what we did to the American Indians, the supposed <laughs> indigenous people. And even the concept of indigenous people is, is ridiculous because yeah. like these people came, you know, the American Indians came across the Bering Strait. They came from Asia and there's reports, you know, there's a lot of evidence showing that there was people here and the American Indians wiped them out. And now we're supposed to say, we're supposed to think that they just sprouted from the ground. They've always been here. And, uh, we just came over and stole their land without, you know, this is the worst thing in the world, which they forget all of human history about how people have moved around. There's been conflicts. A lot of it's been nasty stuff, but this is how like we're here today. And they themselves practice this not only against the, the inhabitants that they found, but also against each other. I mean, they had yeah. such horrible barbaric practices yeah. of just torturing uh, captive uh, war captives to death you know, there was even some tribes in South America who were practiced cannibalism, even in America, even among North American Indians, there was this type of ritual cannibalism. And the, even in the crimes that they committed against the European settlers, you know, they really did try to ethnically cleanse them. But due to, you know, uh, you know, superior technology and other things, the European settlers were able to defeat them. So but we're all supposed to feel bad that like these peace loving <laughs> people who are just sitting around passing around the peace pipe. They have been sprouted from the ground in America. They've always been here. That somehow the evil white man uh, invented the idea of war, and they and they were you know destroyed. But and this is all due to Christopher Columbus, and who another man that we should celebrate as one of the greatest figures in human history. You know, without Christopher Columbus, there is so much history that wouldn't have happened. And he was a person that set out, didn't know what he was going to find, crossed a dangerous sea, yeah. and he you know he led to European settlement of this continent. And that's why we celebrate him. And Italian-Americans see him as their hero, but they don't want to even give Italian-Americans that. Apparently they have to, Italian-Americans can only have Mario from Super Mario, I guess. <laughs> that can be the only uh, figure that they can celebrate. I guess Mario had no racism. So I guess he's okay. Italian-Americans, uh, uh, white, considered to be white to these people? Yeah, I mean, they are, of course, considered white. They're uh, from Europe. I mean, everyone it, from Europe is considered it, white. I got it. Um, I, they have rewritten history because now when they talk about slavery, they make it sound awful. It's like, I mean, just awful. And then the Jim Crow law, I grew up under the Jim Crow law, and at the time, the blacks knew that it was the Democratic Party that didn't want the blacks in the Democratic Party. That's what the Jim, law was, uh, uh, the Jim Crow law was all about. The Democratic Party did not want the blacks to be a part of it. And that's why they started the Republican Party, because the blacks were not welcome into the Democratic Party. But now when they talk about uh, the, uh, the Jim Crow, Crow law, they pretend that it's the white Republicans who did it, right? 
and that the blacks were not welcome in the Republican Party. And it wasn't true because when I was growing up, all the blacks that I knew were Republicans and not Democrats. Even uh, that guy, Martin Luther King Jr., was a Republican. He was not a Democrat. But they have managed to switch the conversation to make it look like it was the white Republican Party. And it just was not true. Yeah, I mean, there's many aspects of history they don't want to leave. Uh, they want to leave out and, and lie about and, yeah. not, and not know. And yeah, and it's this, you know, they they have this whole notion. I mean, one of the things about having the left having complete cultural power is that they're able to shape history and they're able to shape the narratives that are taught to the vast majority of Americans. And they don't learn a lot of important facts about our history. Right. And, and you can look at many, many things, not just like from, you know, the you know, plenty of African-Americans were supporting, you know, blacks were supporting the Republican Party and then that switch. And they also overlook like some of the they also try to even excuse like the riots that happen, you know, after the civil rights movement or, you know, after yeah. the Civil Rights Act. And they try to even say that, like, you know, America was trying to give them, you know, trying to work and try to say, like, look, we're we're ending the things that you don't like. We're trying to bring you fully into the society. And then they're still, you know, they're rioting and there's like crime is going up. And then, you know, to white liberals, this is just a sign of American racism. You know, that even these riots and, and crime that was going up in all these cities, some as a result of like what had, you know, the legislation and laws that had been changed during the civil rights era, they were going, they don't want to acknowledge that at all. They all want to see that this is once again, like whites just like, Oh, we lost Jim Crow. Now we're going to leave the cities and the cities are magically going to turn into, uh, you know, not nice, very nice places. They don't look at what like caused like white people to leave these cities. They don't look at what like the quality of life that yeah. declined in these cities. So they don't. I mean, there's so much a part of the history from post-World War II that is not taught accurately yeah. um, to school children and even to adults. And this leads to people having silly notions about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and other things. So how people learn history and how people view the past and how people view the nation impacts how they view the world today. It's, yeah. it's not just simply a, you know, things you learn for trivia night It is how you look at the world and how you shape your politics and how you view the past. I want to ask you about your book, uh, No Campus for White Men. Um, so your book is called No Campus for White Men, The Transformation of Higher Education into Hateful Indoctrination. What was it like for you in college? How did you deal with all this while going through college? Well, it wasn't that bad when I was in college and I was, you know, graduated less than 10 years ago. I mean, one of the things that made me want to write this book was, you know, I was covering news topics when I was at Campus Reform and Daily Caller. And I was, you know, I was seeing all these news items that talking about white privilege and like these classes that were being, you know, being required for kids to learn about, uh, you know, anti-white racism and teaching that. And I was like, this is pretty insane with what happening. This is very different from my college experience. Like I had never heard of white privilege until I started writing stories <laughs> about white privilege. Yeah. You know, that wasn't even taught to me. I mean, I went to, you know, it was a very basic college experience with me, but I was seeing that this was not just, you know, a few oddball colleges, that this was everywhere. And what inspired me to write it was in 2015, the University of Missouri had uh, 
I get they would have been Black Lives Matter protesters at that time. Black Lives Matter was still there. These black radicals took over the university over these uh, incidents that weren't even really racist incidents or were yeah. even hate hoaxes. Like there was one kid who claimed that he saw the Klan uh, <laughs> roaming around campus in 2015 Missouri, which you know, the Klan really doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and yet this kid is somehow seeing men in sheets uh, descend on the campus. Uh, there was other weird, like some kid claimed he saw a swastika and it was unclear if it was actually a swastika and a bathroom. And all these people were like, this is, this is a sign of how much racism infects our college. And they were able to get, I believe, around 40 football players to boycott future games unless the president resigned because the president was uh, not taking racism seriously. And the president resigned due to this threat from 40 black Missouri football players. And these black football players were acting at the instigation of black radicals on campus. And I saw this as like, this is what's happening to universities. This is not going to end at University of Missouri. And of course, as we've seen in the last uh, five or six years, it's only gotten worse. What a mess. And it's now now infecting not just universities, but corporations, uh, LMA schools, middle schools, high schools, it's affecting uh, sports, world, yeah. professional sports. It's, it's everywhere now. You were, so as a white male, a white man, you were not treated differently in college. And were you concerned about speaking up or any of that while in college? No, not really. I mean, that's like the diff, that's like a difference in my experience compared to what kids are experiencing now, or even like five or six years ago in the mid 2010s, I think there was a dramatic change in Barack Obama's second term, um, I it's it's tough to figure out why there was such an extreme uh, change. I think it is like larger social trends. I mean, there are rapidly changing demographics in this country. Yeah. There is also you know the Trayvon Martin shooting that inspired Black Lives Matter to form. Uh, There's the Michael Brown shooting. There was all these you know Black Lives Matter form. There was also these you know campus rape hoaxes that were big in the mid 2010s. <laughs> yeah. There was also fueling a left wing environment. And I think there was also on the left there was this disappointment with Obama, this disillusionment that led them to get more extreme and try to impose their will on the institutions that they had control of. And that was the universities. So you wrote this book back in 2017. Did you imagine then that things would be as bad as they are now? Uh, An inkling? Yes. (laughs) I, I mean, I, I mean, but not to this extent, as I argued when I was, you know, promoting the book, Back in 2017, you know, I would go on these shows and these conservative radio hosts, you know, they listen and they would agree with me. They're like, we agree that this is all very extreme, but we think all these snowflakes, once they get in the real world, once they get a real job, they're going to get a rude awakening and that they're all going to wake up and stop being radical and being normal <laughs> citizens. And I kept telling them like, no, 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 nope. that the opposite is going to take is going to be the case. They're going to take over the HR departments and they're going to impose their will on the rest of the corporation. They're also going to, you know, those kids are going to go through, you know, the teacher programs and they're going to bring these ideas to the public schools. And I was like, this is not going to be limited to the universities. And sure enough, I was right about that. But in terms of, you know, kind of the religious revival element that happened after George Floyd and, you know, every corporation and every sports team now having a Black Lives Matter message in like the end zone, 
you know, I didn't think it was going to go that far, but I mean, it was like, I was like, this is possible. <laughs> and especially, I mean, I could have seen that with, you know, the reaction to Colin Kaepernick kneeling and other things. There was already these elements there, but the type of, uh, you know, uh, this all of America going crazy due to the death of George Floyd. I didn't necessarily predict it would go that far, but I did know that this was not going to be limited to the universities and these campus radicals are going to take over the country and sure enough, campus insanity has taken over the entire yeah. country, unfortunately. Yeah. That's amazing. And so as a white man, you are hated not only for being white, but being straight, for being uh, conservative. And I don't know if you're a Christian. For being 6'2", especially. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is it, I mean, should white men even bother attending colleges these days? Well, it depends on what you want out of college. I mean, if you're not really sure why you're going to college, if it's just like, well, it's the thing to do. I mean, you really have to reconsider, you know, you have to reconsider that point. If you're going to a really good school, you know, you've got your values, your very strong values, and your university isn't putting you, uh, you know, on super lockdown. Like there are some universities that are ridiculous. Like I saw uh, Amherst College, which require has a double mask mandate, not just a mask <laughs> mandate, but a double mask mandate. So you have to sit in class with a double mask on. And then they've barred pretty much all social activities on campus. Like after class, you have to go straight back to your dorm and just isolate. And there's another university in Connecticut that's imposing a similar thing. And that they'll find you if they find you out socializing. Wow. And so there's some universities like that. I mean, there's other universities that's not that bad. I mean, pretty much every university has some type of mask mandate. But you can still like enjoy that life and you're not getting into much student loan debt. But, you know, the, the deal of college is getting worse and worse. You yeah. know, you're the, the cost of it is increasing and what you get out of it is decreasing. And I think if you're you know, if you're like 18 years old, you just graduated college. I mean, graduated high school, of course. You know, you have to really think it's like, is college the right movie? Like, maybe yeah. you should think of like what you actually want to do with your life. Is this worth getting like fifty thousand dollars in debt? And having a worthless degree and all you learned about is how white people are evil. You know, is that really what you want to learn about? You just have to rethink this. And it's on an individual basis. But I think for every, you know, high school, you know, high school senior, you have to look at this and see if it's the right move for you. And you have to understand that every college campus that you're at, well, not at different levels of it, you're going to be considered the great villain, the great uh, devil, if you're a white male. Yeah. And you may think like, well, I might as well just go to trade school. You know, I, I like working with I my agree. hands. I'd rather be outside. Yeah. And I'd probably make more money than any off of any degree I'd earn at a normal university. I totally agree. I've noticed that straight, white, conservative, Christian men of power are the most hated species on this side of heaven. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the type of hatred that is just inspired by uh, yeah. uh, by just a normal white guy anywhere is just like they it's like it's with this like theme of like you have a punchable face. Whenever they talk about this, it's very big on Twitter and social media. It's like this person has a punchable face. Whenever they bring that up, it's it's not somebody who's like ugly or it's not even somebody they, of course, are never going to say that about a person of color. It's always like a normal yeah. looking white guy who maybe may a little arrogant, maybe a little bit proud of himself. And they think like this person needs to be brought down to size because we can't have, uh, you know, normal straight white men existing in the world. They have to bow down their heads. And so that, that'll avoid them from having a punchable face. 
So it's just like a part of this hatred that they have. And even people will use this argument that like, you're a white man. How can you, you shouldn't be able to say right. this. And well, even no. universities, they want to, these professors, some of them are like, we're not going to take any questions from white men or, you know, and even these corporations are now teaching. I think this is at American Express. And a couple of other corporations, they have trainings where if you're a white man, you have to listen. You have to be <laughs> silent and listen to yeah. POC talking. And when POC talk, you listen. You don't talk. You you sit and nod uh, and follow along with their instructions. It's like you are an inferior being. And this is just taught. This is permeated throughout all these aspects of society. When you are out and about doing your thing, are you as a white man? Are you concerned about being attacked or something? Do you watch your back? Uh, are you holding back on things you say and do because of this? They may attack you like this in a physical way or verbal way. Uh, not too much when I'm walking around about, but I mean, it's, it depends on where I live. You know, some people maybe need to worry more. If I was living on a college campus right now and I have my views, I would be a little bit more worried about walking out and about. And there's been cases of like, you know, campus conservatives who are harassed and doxxed and intimidated on campus. I know people who were even in college in like 27 and 20, 2017 and 2018 who were harassed and doxxed and yeah. intimidated by Antifa. And they would like post where they live and they would go follow them around. And so this, yeah, if you had, so in that type of scenario, if I was, you know, if you're a loud and proud conservative, uh, you have to worry about these things at a college campus. I don't, depending on where you live in, in America, you might not have to worry about it, but, um, you know, oh. I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried that, uh, you know, a mob is just going to appear behind me. <laughs> and I'm going to have to run away. Yeah. Um, I mentioned South Africa uh, earlier and I see what happened over there. The blacks took over and they defunded the police they uh, uh, are now, as I said, taking the land without compensation. I I personally see the same thing. It's growing here. They have defunded the police. They are now getting reparations in some cities because, or states because they have put these radical black females and black males in position, like in government. And these, these people voted in this, and the whites who are in government are afraid to go against it. Do you see do you see South Africa growing here in America? Yeah, absolutely, especially in certain areas. I mean, if you look and it's it's so weird about these places that it happened. I mean, even if you look at like how what a lot of these mayors or mayoral candidates are running on, they're running on these very radical agenda that's yeah. like no police. There's a the likely next mayor of Baltimore or not Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore is like one of these places already. <laughs> yeah. But of Buffalo that this woman is running on a total campaign of like, we're pretty much not going to charge anyone with a crime. We're not going to have police at all. Yeah. This We're just going to turn this over this city to the criminals. And this is, we've seen this already. I mean, Minneapolis happened and now they're like begging for police back. They're like, please come back. Please come yeah. back. We need you. And crime is just skyrocketing there. And crime is skyrocketing in all these other places where they have, you know, they elected these progressive district attorneys like Philadelphia, uh, Baltimore is another place, Chicago, uh, St. Louis, you know, these places have high, extremely high crime. And there, it's not a place you want to be if you're, you know, like a normal white middle class person that doesn't want to be taxed to death and then be mugged at night. You know, they, you're like, why do I want to live here? They Even if I report the mugging, they're just going to send me to a, 
uh, anti-racism course. I know. You know they're not going to actually yeah. help me out. And even then, I have to worry about calling the police on 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 people like that because I know they're now trying to pass laws about if you make a false nine eleven call, if they're like they're like you see someone suspicious and they have to be a person of color, and if you call the police, you may be charged with a crime. You may be charged with a misdemeanor. And some of the in I think in south san francisco passed a similar ordinance and there's a couple of other places that have actually passed this where you know if you call the police on uh you know a person that is suspicious and they turn out to be personal color you can uh, you could be uh held legally liable for that so this is, and even if you're not held legally liable for that you could be the nets uh viral karen that they're like they pulled out the phone and like uh this person called the police on me and for no matter what reason you know, however justifiable it was to call the police on them, you could have your life ruined. And so there's no reason to stay in a lot of these cities because it's like your quality of life is just gonna is gonna, gonna continue to decline. And a lot of these leaders think that the best way to power is to appease criminals and appease the worst elements of the city and say, we're not gonna do anything about you, but we're gonna continue to punish the law-abiding yeah. citizen by putting more taxes on them, by you know, making sure that they have section eight housing in their neighborhood. And by, you know, imposing anti-racism, <laughs> anti-racism indoctrination on, the, on their kids. And also, if they want to call the cops on you, we'll charge them with a crime. And don't expect us to have any more police because police are racist. So what would you say to white people that are not doing anything about this because it's only going to get worse? What would you say to them now? What should they do to try to stop it now? Well, if they live in some certain cities, I don't know, like in Philadelphia and St. Louis and uh, Buffalo and some of these other cities, I don't know if there's much you can do. You just have to move. Um, but I mean, it can you can combat it. I mean, there are people who are combating this and they are worried about crime. I think, and especially in the suburbs, I think people are worried about that. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's communities down in Atlanta that are wanting to separate from Atlanta right. because they're like, they're yeah. not doing anything about crime. They're not sending cops to our area. Uh, Buckhead, you know, Buckhead, Georgia, which right. it's not, it's a, it's a part of Atlanta and it's a major part of its tax base. And they realize that the leadership doesn't want to do anything about crime there. They don't, and they continue to spike taxes and they're like, we're not getting anything for what we're paying for. And you depend on us to survive. So we're just going to separate. You're going to, all those, all those tax dollars you get from us, all those property taxes, because we're the ones paying for it. We're not going to pay for that anymore. And we're going to set up our own police department that will actually protect us from criminals. Unlike the police department that you've put handcuffs on. We're not going to have that in our area. So there are places like that that are wanting to separate. And they're also supported by, you know, Georgia went blue in 2020, but it still has a Republican state legislature it can still, you know, Republicans can still win there and they can still push back on it. And they recognize that crime is a serious issue. And also there we see what parents are doing in, in their children's school system against critical race theory and other crazy ideas. You know, they're holding protests. They're going to these school board meetings and shouting down at these school board members and demanding that they stop indoctrinating their kids and they stop masking their kids and they stop doing these things that are harming their children. So we do see elements of protest. It's not just everyone taking this down and not without a fight. You know, there are cases of people yeah, I you know, standing up finally. But most of those uh, we people just need more people to stand up. Right. But most of the people are female, too. I don't see a lot of males standing up. 
I do see some males standing. <laughs> we need I guess it makes more powerful that it's women because they're the moms. Like it does add more moral cloud. If you see an angry mom or who's like on the verge of tears thinking about or telling about how their teacher is teaching them to hate themselves because of the color of the skin, just in society itself, like we're going to be more sympathetic to the mom saying that than, than, than a male. I mean, that's one of the, that's just how society works. Unfortunately. I know. It's unfortunate, but I totally understand when I was growing up, men were leading the way. And and the women will follow and help, but the men will lead it away. I, and so much I want to talk to you about, Scott, but I got to ask, I saw this report, I believe it was on Tucker Carson's show a different time, where over in Australia, Australia, they are using the Chinese virus thing to totally take away the freedom of the people to the point that um, they're telling their citizens, and I may be quoting this wrong, but they're telling them they have to use this app to... Uh, report where they are or how to do something so that the government would know every move they make. And if they don't, they're going to be arrested and all that crap. Have you uh, you heard about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's insane what's going on in it Australia. Sure is. And they, the people are protesting there. And there there is reports that there's even a trucker strike where there is like a food, food shortage going on because all these truckers are upset that they're enforcing this uh, insane level of totalitarianism. <laughs> if you told George Orwell about what's happening in Australia, he'd say, wow, 1984 was too moderate. Like it was not as bad. Like we take 1984 over what they're seeing in Australia. Yeah, the, they have an app where you have to send a, a photo of yourself within 15 minutes. Otherwise the police are going to call you. And there's oh, yeah. stories of like, People who left their house just to like get some fresh air, they drove off to like, get some green space and enjoy, you know, the nice weather or whatever. And the police are like, you weren't at your home. You get a ticket and we're going to come back more often and ensure you're at your home. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's like the whole population has been put in timeout. And if they leave timeout, they're going to get put in jail. Yeah. There's even a report of a guy who was trying to organize protests. They arrested him. And they gave him, uh, you know, several months in jail just for organizing a protest, which, you know, they always say in the West that we have the right of free speech, that we have the right to protest, yeah. like unlike China and, and Russia or are these uh, supposed dictatorships. But then we see people in Australia get arrested for the crime of protesting and speaking their mind. And yeah, this is, they love power. They love the, like you can always see the Australian officials. Like there is no limit. They they will love like all this type of power that they have. They they love that they've <laughs> now become like the evil second grade teacher who's going to make sure that their kids can't like are all in timeout and can't leave. And unfortunately, a lot of the population likes that. I don't think it's they 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 feel like if they get out of line, they'll be punished. But there are enough people in Australia. I mean, these protests have been very energetic and very assertive. And these people are realized that they can face significant fines or arrests if they just simply go out in the street and protest and still thousands of people show up. And yeah. so that's like one good thing to think about it. But at the same time, it's like this is a supposed democracy. It supposedly, you know, allows freedom and liberty. And yet you can't leave your home without being arrested. Where's the freedom in that? Can that happen here? I think I think they want to try it. I think Biden wants to try it. I think they want to they want to see if they can. I mean, we already in the first lockdown we had, you know, in spring of 2020, there were plenty of cases of, you know, police officers showing up in people's homes and being like, 
we heard your kids were playing outside and they're like, <laughs> oh man, this is a serious what crime. The- people ch- coming to check on it. It's like, your kids can't go outside anymore. They could definitely do something similar here. I don't know. There are factors in American society that are going to prevent that. Like, I don't think officials want to send, um, you know, uh, social workers out into uh, certain neighborhoods in Baltimore or St. Louis <laughs> to ensure that they are observing uh, yeah. social distancing because they, you know, they they may not come back alive. Yeah, <laughs> so right. some of these people, I think they feel like it'd be more of a hassle if they went into certain communities. And also they'd be accused of racism here in, Amer- in, in America if they weren't, if they, if the communities that were not following the rules happen to be, uh, you know, non-white, that, that we would have to end it because it's like systemic racism is showing that most of the people who are getting arrested for leaving their home happen to be black. They'd be like, okay, well, we have to end this now because yeah. this is just a racist policy. Because the last report I saw is that something like 60% of black people, black Americans, have not taken the Chinese virus. And so it seemed like in that uh, culture, more blacks are resisting it than any other culture. And, uh, I thought that was quite interesting because they've been trying to convince the blacks for a long time to do it and they just won't do it. Yeah. And it would be the same with like that type of lockdown in Australia. Just imagining like some woman double mass, like going up to a home and being like, Oh, excuse me. Are, are you guys vaccinated? And then like, why are you here? Like they're going to get much more angry about that. And they, I think the, I think our government officials are like, this is not going to end well. Right. We're going to, we're just not going to impose this. I don't, th- I, and it's also going to take off police time. And not only is it going to be bad for the people trying to impose it, but then they can just say it's racist. I can hear and them knocking on the so, black door now. They're like, Lord, what you, you better get out. Black's not going to put over that. I got to yeah, ask we still you, have rural areas too that would be tough to enforce. Oh, good. Nice. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Immigration. Are you for open borders? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible idea, but I mean, everyone, most of our political leaders are for it because it brings cheap labor here yeah. and it, and it, and it diffuses the population sense of uh, peoplehood of being connected. Cause if we're, you know, but they love open borders. I mean, they can't get enough of it. I mean, I we're know. seeing this with the Afghan refugee and yeah. take, they're like, we have no earthly idea who these people are. And some of them are bringing over child brides and have terror ties. Uh, but we need to bring them over anyway because they're incredible allies. Like Afghans are number one Americans. They're better Americans than you, and they just can't have enough Afghans. So we're seeing, yeah, it's. I mean, most normal people are like, this isn't a good idea. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't want a guy who is sympathetic to ISIS and wants Sharia law and has like three child brides to move into my neighborhood. <laughs> but the the Democratic Party is like, this is great. This is an t- incredible ally. They love it. Uh, this guy really served us well, even though he didn't. He just like a copy. He just uh, fraudulently made a visa and just came over here. Do you think the great white hope will be back again as president? Oh, yeah, I think uh, I think he can run. I think Trump is, uh, you know, he wants to run again. Yeah. He has the people on his side. He's got the, you know, over 50 percent of Republican uh, voters continually say they favor Trump over any other candidate. Uh, I mean, it's going to be tough for him because he's censored. He's deplatformed. He right. doesn't have Twitter. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't even have YouTube. But the people want him anyway. And if he can possibly win, despite the censorship, despite the persecution, despite the deplatforming, despite the deep state being opposed to him, despite the Republican establishment being opposed to him, despite like Democrats wanting to put him in a jail, I think it'd be a huge victory for the American people. It would be amazing. Are you familiar? Today is the uh, ninth of 
August. No, September. What's the day say? September oh, 9th. Yeah, September 9th, 2021. There's an election happening in California right now where Larry Elder is running against Gavin Newsom on the recall thing. The folks want Gavin Newsom out. Larry Elder is the front runner. Are you familiar with this race here? Yeah, I'm familiar. I think it's it's very exciting. I yeah. mean, they keep, uh, I mean, Larry Elder is po- quite possibly the first black white supremacist, but I, I mean, they, they keep, they keep talking about how this evil clan leader is about to take over uh, California. And then they turn on the TV and it's like, uh, this, yeah. this guy's black. I don't know how he's a white supremacist, but they, they, you know, they think like the, the articles they're writing about Larry Elder always make me laugh, but it, it, they, it, the reason why they write these articles is because they know he can win. Yeah. They fear him. They're and they, it's the same thing they did with Trump. You know, they yes. called him every name in the book and they're doing the same against Larry Elder. If they were not publishing these articles, they wouldn't worry. But they would show that they don't care about him, that they're like, ha ha, you know, he he there's no way he can win. But, but the sheer desperation in trying to paint a black man as a, a as a white supremacist uh, just because he says some politically incorrect things just because he questions mass immigration just because he uh, shares yeah. some crime data from time to time it just shows the sheer level of dis- desperation of them and how much they fear him and how they know he can win it's interesting too is that they they have other republicans who are running like bruce jenner in a dress right and uh other people they're not afraid of them at all but they're afraid of Larry. And Larry's winning in the poll. He came out winning in the polls. And they're now attacking him. They're throwing eggs and all kind of weird things at him. And it just totally reminded me of the attack that happened to Donald Trump when he first announced. And while he was running for president, it's the same thing. They're even bringing in Joe Biden and that empty shell. Um, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris and all of them. <laughs> and... It's exciting to see this. It's like Larry is the right man at the right time, and they know it, and they are afraid. Um, I know you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but what do you predict? Uh, you know, I'm a little worried that they may, you know, do some hijinks that uh-huh. makes, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom stay in power. And they really, you know, Gavin Newsom is somebody they would like to groom to be a president someday. They may even want to run him in 2024. I mean, you know, Joe Biden may not be able to run in 2024 and they probably don't want to run Kamala because they realize American people hate her. And they're like, we'll get, we'll get Gavin Newsom to run. And if he loses, that's all over, you know, they're stuck with either, you know, running old man Biden again or or running Kamala. And, you know, they may pull out all the stops to ensure that uh, Gavin Newsom wins, but it's going to be a very close race. And it's definitely going to give the California Democrats a scare, yeah. uh, no matter the result. Amazing. So I got, are you alpha or beta male? <laughs> I would like to say I'm an alpha male, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know anyone who wants to identify as beta male, but you know, I, I, I try to live an alpha lifestyle every day. What is a man? What is a man? I think it's a man who like stands up for himself. He has he's firm in his convictions and he doesn't back down. And he li- he knows he has responsibilities and duties. He has to live out his life, and he doesn't sit around and apologize for himself. That he's not you know 
uh, trying to be a, a progressive man or try to be, you know, like apologizing all the time. You know, it's just somebody who stands up for himself, who asserts himself, who lives his life in a way that he understands that, you know, he has these responsibilities that he has to live and he just can't be living on his knees all the time. Well, I have much respect for you for standing, especially uh, knowing the attack upon white straight men today. And for you not to be afraid is what we need in order to save this great country. So this has got, I got to put you on the hot seat. We're running out of time and I got to put you on the hot seat. We got to heat this up and I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. All right. All right, let's go. The hot seat. What is love? Uh, what is, it, it, it doesn't hurt me. <laughs> is Illuminati real? I don't think so. Do human beings have a free will? I would say they do, uh, to a certain extent, yes. In one word, describe AOC. <laughs> Airhead. <laughs> <laughs> Does black supremacy exist? Absolutely. Do you love white people? Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Are you afraid of being called a racist? No. Was it a mistake to educate women? Mm, uh, to a certain, <laughs> uh, you know, to a certain extent, maybe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever marry an educated woman? Oh, you know, absolutely, because I'm a progressive man, and I, I'm not a, I'm not scared of a woman, an intelligent, career-minded woman. Would an educated woman make for a good wife and a good mother? Uh, potentially. It depends on uh, what her education taught her. Are uh, women equal to men? No, not. I mean, we're no one person is equal to another. So, no, I mean, and w women are different, are better in certain respects, but men are, are better in many other respects. So I, I don't uh, equality is a false value that we try to uh, adhere to. And no, I don't. I would so say women are better at having babies. Being, yeah, what, they're better cooking, at being mothers and, they, and they, cleaning there's more caring and, aspects about them. I mean, but we're not, you know, no two humans are equal. There, There's many differences between us. Is it possible to have perfect peace? No. Have you ever told a woman she's fat? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I may have not been a gentleman at some point at <laughs> a time. I may have been too honest. Do you believe in Jesus? Uh, you know, I do. Did you have fun? I did. Well, thank you for taking on the hot seat, man. I really, really do appreciate that. Tell the folks how they can get your books and keep up with what you are doing, whatever you want to advertise. I mean, the promote. best ways to follow me are on Twitter at Scott M. Greer. That's on Twitter. And then to subscribe to my YouTube, which is youtube.com slash highly respected. I also have the Substack where there are bonus episodes. They're called IQ Supplements of Highly Respected, and that's at highlyrespected.substack.com. I'm also on Telegram at, at t.me uh, slash Scott Greer, and I'm on Gab, gab at Scott M. Greer. Amazing. Scott, thank you so much for coming on, man. I knew it would be a good conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I wish you well, and if there any time you want to come back and promote anything, let us know. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to ring the bell. Check out our merch. 
Check out Patreon on the description link there. And let me hear from you. I do appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for watching The Fallen State. We need your continued support. Donate to my nonprofit here. Subscribe and like the videos here. And tell everybody and their mama about the show. Thank you, Scott. That was a good time. Yeah. Keep it up, man. You're doing amazing work, and it's really what we need. We got to wake people up. We cannot keep going down this way. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And if you guys ever want me on again, feel free to shoot me an email or a DM. Absolutely. Take your time. Thank you. All right.